Well, if you're like me, you didn't want that to stop. That was amazing. We've got the wind of the Spirit blown at us. That's what that is, just in case you're wondering. It, it was 84 degrees in here last night, so uh, we got it down to 74. Hallelujah. If, if you're visiting for the first time, you are so, so welcome amongst us. We are just so thrilled to be here in the presence of the Lord. And uh, it's, it's such a delight to gather corporately and worship Him and just declare the goodness and kindness and mercy of God. It's so good. It's so good. Um, Pastor Bruce is away. They're, they've been camping this week, Bruce and Janice and the grandkids. So that's therapeutic. Uh, keep praying for them. Uh, if you haven't heard, uh, Janice has had a, a, a drain put in uh, for her to drain the fluid off with her ovarian cancer. And uh, so we need to be just keeping praying in faith for healing for her. So God is, God is well able. Um, <clears throat> we're just going to give you a moment to just ask the Lord if you got something that's burning on your heart that you would like to share for the encouragement of the body. We want to hear it. Come on up. And there's Linda. I've been reading Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. <clears throat> Boy, when you read the sacrifices that the Israelites were commanded by the Lord to make, and then you think about the grace that we have for every, for every sin, for every unintended sin that you didn't even know about, you had to make great sacrifices. And quite often, um, there were many sacrifices that you have to make. And it shows a picture of Jesus being the one-time sacrifice for us. And what grace we live in now that we don't have, we're not under the law anymore, and we don't have to do those massive sacrifices anymore. And it, it can't just say, oh, God is grace, God is grace. God said, no, God is grace. And he wants us to walk in that grace. And it's, it's just amazing. If you, if you want to exercise to really see what God's love really is, what Jesus really did for us as the pure and holy and perfect Lamb of God, read the books of Moses, as you'll see a different picture. <laughs> we just also want to wish Gordon a very happy 62nd birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Woo! Happy birthday to you. Woo! Happy birthday, dear Gord. Happy birthday to you. There sure would be a big hole if Gord weren't here, that's for sure. So, Gord, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We love you, and we thank you that you're here with us in our midst and part of our body. Amen. I'll say amen to that over and over since he's my husband. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. The law is righteous and just. Uh, but we could never fulfill it, and no one will be saved by keeping the law. Christ fulfilled it. We're out from under the burden, and saved by faith, saved by grace, and we walk in righteousness because he is holy, and the divine spirit of God lives in us and dwells in us, and we walk by the spirit of God, not by the flesh, so that we won't fulfill the deeds of the, of the flesh. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Anyone else got a I often have noticed a pattern here that you guys share in team here. <laughs> you are one. Last Sunday, we, we had a, an awesome word brought to us from a fellow named Kevin. And one of, one of his points was about how do we deal with fear? And he said, fear, but the answer is, the but answer is God. God has the answer in every situation. We've already heard that we're, 
We, we have an awesome Savior and we live by grace. And grace is so substantial that nothing can move grace. We are saved by grace. It is fulfilled, it is proclaimed. But we live by faith. And fear is the, is the tool of the enemy. He, he comes into all of our circumstances and he, he causes us to fear. But we are given the word of faith that says, pick up the shield, which is Christ, and stand against all of the will, those fiery darts of the enemy. Live by faith. And so we're told by grace that uh, grace and peace may be multiplied to us to you in the knowledge of God. That's his grace. That's his virtue, his, all that he is, is for us. And what's the enemy against us? As his divine power has been given to us, has given us all things. We hear it here in Second Peter. We hear it in Ephesians. It's also brought up in Second Corinthians that God has fulfilled all things to us. That's what we stand on. That's what our faith is built on. And this is the knowledge of God, the knowledge that we do, because we're told to have knowledge, understanding, wisdom. All these things come to us from God. So we are fulfilled by these things we are given to us, and an exceedingly great precious promise that through these we may be partakers of his divine nature. The whole issue comes down to what's happening inside of us. In James it says uh, about faith, the faith without works is dead. There's those people who tell you it's what you do that is the evidence of your faith. No, it's the, what's the evidence of your faith is the divine nature, because this will come down to us saying that God's plan and purpose is, is our divine, that his divine nature will be produced in us. And it's produced by faith and a continuing perseverance in all that God has for us. Thank you. Thanks, John. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I'm so excited to see all the little people in church today. That's exciting. Uh, there's something else exciting going on, which I can see from here, is uh, Hannah's banners that she's working on in the dining room, and therefore those two panels in the entryway, and they'll have uh, scripture verses on them when she's all done, and they're gorgeous. They're going to really brighten up the place. Uh, we have something else. Uh, Gord, can you s switch seats and bring up that photo? There's something else exciting going on. I think you'll be happy to see. One second. Oh, look! It's Alan. And he is in Thailand. And that is his lovely wife. And they were uh, separated for two years. Um, couldn't get her over here to Canada. And so he went back. And uh, they, they just send their love. And uh, they said, we, we wanted you to see our happy faces. His looks a little tired after that long flight to Thailand. But I can't imagine uh, their joy in being reunited, reunited after being separated for two years. So we just thank the Lord. Uh, anyone else that wanted to share, I'll give you one last chance. Pauline. Go, come on up, hon, I can't really hear you. Yeah. Come on up, I can't hear you. There you go. Welcome back. <laughs> Good morning. Um, I'm going to visit Dee next week in Princeton. If anybody would like to give me messages to give to her, um, I'd be happy to take them. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Dee moved up to uh, Princeton area with her son and family. If you want to send anything up, just uh, talk to Pauline. All right. Praise God. We're just going to pray. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you that we in Christ have been crucified with you. It's no longer us who lives, who live, but it's you who live in us. 
I thank you, God, that you are the one who loved us and sacrificed for us and died for us to make us holy. You became like a man so we could become once again like you, perfectly righteous before you as Adam and Eve were in the garden, and even better, filled with the divine nature. And so, God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Lord, even as we feel the wind of all these fans blowing today, even as we've talked about fire and flood and rain coming down, God, and Lord, we pray that that would come in the Spirit. Our hearts long for more of you. Lord, we don't, we don't want to do this our way. We don't want to do it with our ideas and agendas. Uh, we want to see what you want to do in this time, in this place, with these people, with me, with, with each of my brothers and sisters here. And so, Lord, would you come and would you speak to our hearts as only the Holy Spirit can do individually, tailored to each need, tailored to each heart, that we would hear the living word of God and that we would be transformed and renewed and, Lord, sent out, ekbalod, into the world, Lord, to bring transformation and change and freedom and life, God, that only you have. There is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other life apart from you, God. And so we pray that on each person here and each, each person that's not here that's, that is part of this little fellowship, God. And we pray, God, for multiplication. We pray for multiplication of your kingdom, Lord. Not necessarily even multiplication of our fellowship, but multiplication of kingdom. Wherever we go, wherever you send us, wherever you take us, wherever we live, multiplication of your kingdom in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I forgot. I lost my notes somewhere between home and here. Sean forgot his songbook this morning, but um, they recovered it, which is good because he needed his chords. Uh, I don't have my notes, but let's just trust that God, God knows about that too. Uh, I've got the whole scripture, so we, we can't go far wrong. Um, uh, I've mentioned this several times before that I um, started listening to the daily audio Bible when I was having problems with my vision. And today, the two scriptures in Old Testament and New Testament scriptures absolutely affirmed um, what God has just been doing in me and my heart. And I always say to God, I got about five messages. I have no idea what's going to come out. But the main thrust of what God is speaking to my heart is, is the realization of the body of Christ on a whole new level. We're going to have communion, but we're going to have it after the message today because we're going to talk a little bit about communion. When I was, I was reading um, and we're listening today to um, a passage from the book of Ezra, and you might know that King uh, Cyrus sent a message when the the children of Israel were taken captive for them to be able to go back and rebuild their temple on the same foundation and that the royal treasuries would pay for that. <clears throat> and it's, to me, it's so parallel of what God is doing right now, that God is rebuilding his church, that we're in a great reset, right? We've been, we know that. We've been saying that for a couple years. We're in a great reset but what if even the pagan kings of the nations are being used by God? Oh, gee, would God be in control of that? Being used by God not to just shape the world, but to shape the church, because it's the kingdom that determines what goes on in the earth. So the people started to rebuild the temple, and their enemies came against them and said, you can't do that. And they said, well, actually, go look it up. Go look it up. And they found the scroll that had the decree from Cyrus that said not only would the temple be rebuilt on the same foundation, but that the, the, the wicked kingdom, the conquering kingdom, would pay for it. So I have a great expectation of what God is doing in his body at this time because the patterns are there. The patterns are there, and he's bringing hardship. He's bringing 
you know, uh, not deportation per se, but he's bringing, he's bringing trials to refine the church so that it will be rebuilt on the same foundation. What's the foundation, church? Christ. The foundation, Paul says, you cannot build on any other foundation than that that was set by the prophets and the apostles on Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation, and we are called to build with eternal things on that foundation. Everything else will burn up. And so that's what God is doing in the church right now. <clears throat> and if there's some shifting going on, rejoice. Rejoice because it's God's sifting and shifting, and he's reworking things. And there were some very specific plans of what the temple would look like. And if you read in Leviticus, like Linda said, wow, specifics of what the temple was going to look like. Who is the temple now? We are. We are the temple. <clears throat> we corporately are the temple. We individually are the temple in that we house the divine nature. We house the Holy Spirit. But God is building us into a temple very specifically, very specifically. <clears throat> the very first time I spoke at this church, let me find it. <clears throat> I talked about Acts 2.42. And it says this. This is after the, the, the Holy Spirit fell. Peter gets up and preaches. 3,000 souls are saved. And uh, it says, they, the believers, and 3,000 were added that day, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So four things. And uh, if I was like Kevin last week, I'd have a PowerPoint, but I didn't get that far. Wasn't he great? Was awesome. Wasn't that great? Hey, Baptists, right? filled with the spirit that guy so uh so good four things and this is a the foundation of the first century church when the holy spirit fell this is what they did they prayed they gathered around the teaching of the lord through the apostles they fellowshiped together and they broke bread, which is communion or holy communion or Eucharist. Eucharist means giving thanks. And it says that they devoted themselves to that. And I, when I, I, I remember talk, talking about those four things. I think I kind of missed the fact about the devoting themselves to. So I wonder how, how do you perceive, like, are you devoted to prayer? I know many of you are. Are we devoted to praying, to believe that, that God wants things to happen, but that he's going to use his children? We're no longer slaves, we're sons, sons and daughters. And the Most High wants to bring his kingdom through us, that he, did, he ordained good works that we would walk in them before there was an earth. We're devoted to him in prayer because we believe he wants to see his kingdom come, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And he's decided to do it through his body, of which Christ is the head. We are the body. He is the head. He sends the signals, right? The messages come through the brain. And they go out to the various parts of the body. But the body has to move as one. Fellowship, we all love potlucks, right? We're good with that. Fellowship is easy most of the time. That's like, we love that. We love the fellowship of the body. We, we love the teaching. In fact, most of the time, if, we're, if someone goes to a, confer a conference or a church, why do they go? They go for the speaker or they go for the worship team. And kind of neither of those things is on that list. The apostles' teaching, sort of, but it, it was never just one guy. This has only been around about 500 years out of the 2,000 that there's been a Christian church because people gathered around Eucharist. They gathered 
around communion. Are we devoted to communion? When I read it, I was completely challenged. I was completely challenged, and I thought, I'm missing something. And it grabbed my attention because uh, Lou Engel, anybody familiar with Lou Engel? Lou Engel? If you know Lou Engel, he rocks. Spirit's on him, and he, he's an intercessor, and he rocks. Lou Engel has there's, had many prophetic dreams about the next great revival being called the communion revival. Why? Because of the importance of the body and the blood of Christ. So devoted to communion. And I was like, I don't, I don't know that we're devoted to communion. We sort of like it says, do this in remembrance of me. Basically, every time you gather, do this in remembrance of me. But some, some traditions do it every, every Sunday. Some traditions do it every time they meet. Some, you know, some people are afraid of it becoming a meaningless ritual, so they don't do it too often. Right now, we're doing it twice a month. But when I saw this, uh, that they were devoted to the breaking of bread together, I thought, God, we're missing something. And if you've heard, uh, dropping a lot of names today, which I don't usually like to do, but when Benny Johnson died, Bill Johnson's wife, she wrote in the last couple of years a book about communion, and Lou Engel went to see her because he said, this is, this is part of what God is doing to bring people to himself. Because it says it, it, it will proclaim the death of Christ until he comes. So verse 46 still in Acts 2 says, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And we've been having some very rich times uh, with Richard uh, sharing communion from his, this devotional book. It's been amazing. And I think we're starting to uh, appreciate what, is, what God wants to do and is doing and can do through communion. But I think there's so much more. And I think because we are a very individualistic culture, we, we tend to see things of how it affects me. What's my part in the body? What is my, what is my the state of my heart before the Lord when I take Holy Communion, but I think God wants to do more than this. It says that they were breaking bread together from house to house, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I'm going to read to you from John 17. <clears throat> if you know what John 17 is, it's Jesus' high priestly prayer, it's called, in the garden. And he prays for believers to be one, as he and the Father are one. Well, we think of oneness in marriage when two become one in the covenant of marriage. And I want you to listen to this prayer and just ask God to bring revelation of what it means to be one with the body of Christ, because I think there's more coming. I think there's a whole lot more coming. Heather's like, oh, yeah. So let's just listen to this. I'm reading in the NASB. <clears throat> so this is uh, Christ in the garden. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father... The hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh. <laughs> if you're underlying, underlining anything, that's a good one right there. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. There is no other name. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Even the Son had work to do, and each of us has assignments. We have work to do. We're not saved by our works, for sure. 
right? We just heard that. But we do have work to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. You know, some people, when we used, we would have the Joshua Project soup kitchen, and people would say to me, but we're all children of God. And I said, yes, we are all made in the image of God, but we're not all born by the Spirit into the kingdom of heaven. And that's the difference. And I tell you what, if my granddaughter is out on the street playing with a whole bunch of kids, and there's some danger that falls, I'm going to try to get all those kids, but I'm getting Telvi first. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm going to grab that little girl. And God has sent Christ to die, the perfect Lamb of God, to die and to pay for us. That is no small thing. And we are in such a precious position in him, a position of privilege and a position of responsibility. Listen to how many times he says these words, glory and the words. I'm no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, to keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. I think what's so familiar, the words are so familiar to us, that I don't think we really understand the, the weight and the, again, the privilege. What does it mean to be one with the, the people of God? When, um, when the early church met, now, we don't, I wanted to just hold up the early church as having it all together. Read 1 Corinthians. Come on. They did not have it all together. But thank goodness they didn't. I've said this so many times. We're studying 1 Corinthians on Wednesday nights. If they didn't have it together, if they didn't come to Paul and say, help, we've got divisions, we've got problems, we've got sexual immorality, we've got all this strife, and Paul writes this letter that's addressing the problems with people in the church since then. So the early church was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But the early church gathered expecting that Christ was going to lead them, not somebody behind a piece of furniture. That Christ was going to lead them. But we need leaders. We need leaders, and we need the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. We need that to grow together. that we would be one, that they would be one even as we are one. While I was with them, verse 12, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, so not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that would be Judas, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy full in themselves. Such a remarkable thing to say as he's about to suffer on the cross. He's going to be tortured, spat upon, cut, whipped, absolutely tortured. And he says, I'm doing this so your joy may be full. So your joy may be full. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of this world, even as I am not of this world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. You know, truth is this word. Kevin said it last week. This is truth. It's not your truth. It's not my truth. It's God's truth, right? And it doesn't change. 
and it has the power to set us free. The truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. And God wants us to get back to the very basics, right? The very basics of what it means to bring the kingdom, to walk in him, and to be his, and to be in the family business. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And we might have an opportunity here in a couple weeks to help out a young man who's with Teen Challenge. And I, I, when I talked to him, and there was one of the young guys that was here during the flooding, stuck here, and um, have kept in touch with him, and he's going to go to Bible college. And uh, it's Eugene, if some of you remember, the kid from Zimbabwe. And he needs sponsoring. I'm just going to give you a heads up because he'll be here at the end of the month. I'm just shamelessly asking you to think about giving him money because he needs it. And because God has rescued him from the kingdom of darkness and sent him out. And he, the Greek word is ekbalo. I expel you. I spew you out. I send you out into the world because the world has no other hope. The world has no other hope. There is no hope. There is no life. There's nothing. If you talk to people, talk to people and you're like, how do you even make it through the day? without the hope of Christ, without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, without the presence of God, the love of God that washes us clean, that picks us up and says, it's okay. Be refreshed in the filling of uh, and that endless stream that comes out from the Spirit of God and picks you up and refreshes you and fills you and sends you out. So when Eugene comes... I'm going to make the announcement that he's looking for sponsors. So I'm giving you a heads up. You can pray about it. Because we need to sponsor people who are giving their lives for the gospel. Because we need to be a missionary church. That's the, that is the Great Commission. And some of us, we're doing it in our everyday lives. We do it in the grocery store. We do it at the gas station. We do it at the dentist. We do it wherever we are. But then there's some young people that are full of the word of God and life, and they're giving themselves full-time to the kingdom. And I, I just say, let's help them out. If you can, let's help them out. And if at the very least, let's pray for them, right? Hallelujah. And I have sent them out into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who will believe in me through their word, and that's all of us. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. So that, whenever you see a so that, it's answering the question, why? Why do they need to be one? So that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me I have given to them. This stuff is so familiar, right? That's, that's, a, that's a cud chewer one. You just want to go home and chew the cud on that one. Meditate on that one for a while. The glory you have given me, Father, I have given them the body. How could the head be Jesus, who is the majesty and the darling of heaven, and that his body not be glorious. Glory is power. Grace is power. It's power to lay down our lives. It's no longer me. It's my favorite verse, right? Galatians 2.20. It's no longer me that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. It's the power and the glory to die to yourself and your own ambitions and your own idiosyncrasies, your own preferences, and to serve God. That's the glory. And he says, the glory you have given me, Father, I have given to these guys. <laughs> and sometimes the disciples were really chumps, weren't they? We're chumps sometimes. I'm a chump. I've been a chump recently. But God doesn't have anybody else to work with. That's who he's got, right? And he's going to have to live with us for all of eternity. So he's trying to make us look more like the sun. And, I'll, you know, we can't do it ourselves. All we do is cooperate with the process, right? Hallelujah. 
<laughs> Sanctification, bring it on. That they may be one, just as we are one. You know, if you t Father and Son, inseparable. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And imagine when they made the decision before there ever was a world that they would make the world and they would have kids and that those kids would go, everything would go south. And that some, some if they were going to have free will, that someone would have to bring them back. And the son says, send me. I'll do it. And then at the cross, bearing all the sin of the whole world for all time, and he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. Because, because the father had to look away from all the sin, all that sin. And Jesus said, that's how much I love you. And that's the price that I paid to bring you into my family, that they may be one. And that price, like if you have kids that aren't getting along, it's not fun in the household, right? Isn't it wonderful when brothers dwell together in harmony? It's like oil running down Aaron's beard. But it's not just not fighting, it's being one. Because I can have somebody I'm friends with, but being one with people is a whole different level. And I tell you what, there's going to be a lot of dying to self. So you, it is for freedom, Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, and you are free to die to yourself. <laughs> You're free to not stand in your own flesh. You're free to walk by the Spirit. It's not just what we were freed from, it's what we're freed into. Because God has things that he's longing to do in the earth, and he's looking for people through whom to do it. People who will be one. And you can't be one by yourself. Well, you are one, but you can't be one with the body by yourself. There's a calling. I've met like three people this week who are not in fellowship, who love the Lord, who got kind of ticked off with the church. And we get to die to that and to say, oh my goodness, I love God, I love Jesus, but the church, who can stand it? God can. It's his church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Say it again. I will build my church gates of hell will not prevail against her. They will not because it's his. It's his spirit. He's doing it. He cares. He cares enough to die. And he's going to do it. And it just happens by faith, like Linda said. What's our part? Believe it. Believe it. You will do greater things than this because I go to the Father. You're filled with the divine nature. He's got good plans for us. It's so exciting that we get to live in this time, in this place, that he's chosen us, that he set us free to love and be loved and to bring light to the darkness. In them, I in them, verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected, completed in unity. Woo! Hey, come on. Yeah, Fred, yes. Fred, Fred got that big time. Hallelujah. That they may be perfected, completed in unity so that, why? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. That God loves you even as he loved Christ. Get a hold of that. There's another cut chewer. Get a hold of that. God loves me even as he loved Christ. We're sons and daughters. We were bought at a great price. We're no longer our own. And so let's roll it back around to communion. First Corinthians. First Corinthians 11. <clears throat> Paul goes to the church at Corinth, and there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of problems there. I love how he starts, because he starts super positively and commends them and says, yeah, you guys got a lot of good stuff going on here. 
And then eventually it gets to the fact that there's a guy sleeping with his stepmom and, you know, a lot of factions and dissensions and a lot of fleshliness. Corinth was a very fleshly place. It was a worldly place. But Paul, Paul has hope for them. And he says, uh, he, he talks to them about, about communion. Verse 23, 11, 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night which he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he'd given thanks, and that's where we get the word Eucharist from, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, for 1,500 years, the church believed those words, that the bread, the bread and the cup were his body. But then, you know, around the time of Luther and stuff, then we got this, I won't go into it, this transubstantiation and, and stuff like, does the bread really become his body? Does the wine really become his blood? The presence of the Lord God and the power of God is in the elements. Why? Because we take it by faith and because he said to do it. And he says... This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And it made me think of, we do it to remember him, and it doesn't say how God remembers it. But I always think of the rainbow, God's rainbow, that he put in the sky and he said, every time I see that sign, I will remember, right? It says it specifically. It doesn't say it specifically here, so I'm not trying to add to scripture. But when it says that every time you drink it, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. You are proclaiming, and I'm not finding that verse right now. 26? Thank you. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You preach the death of Jesus. You preach that the only way for, to dispel darkness, the only way to destroy the works of the enemy is through the kingdom, the death of, and the resurrection of Christ. So when we have this, this, this event together, in obedience, full of faith, that we say this is a proclamation to the heavenly realm, to the heavenly realm and to unbelievers, if there's unbelievers, that Christ's death made a new way, and it's the only way. And that in that, that we are to be one. I think we're just like cracking the door open on this. I feel like God is just going to blow it open into what it looks like to be the body of Christ. I, I'll tell you, I had a neighbor across the road from us who was part of the Seventh-day Adventist Fellowship. And he went into a home and eventually passed away. <clears throat> that church rallied around that elderly gentleman like you cannot believe and I tell you what, everyone in our street saw what was going on. They were the body of Christ. No matter whatever, whatever you know, differences you may have, that witnessed the love for one another. And people said, look how those, that community looks after their own. I want to be part of that. Since COVID, people have come to realize how much they need people. And they're looking for community. I met a little gal on a hiking trail the other day. Starts to tell me her life story and all this, all this stuff that happened during COVID that was not good. And I said, you need community. And we are learning to build community around love and truth and to love one another and to walk forward in truth and righteousness and love. Hey, people want that, I think, more than ever right? So this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes. And then, so I don't think I've heard this spoken about too many times, but then there's the whole part about the unworthy manner of drinking the cup. So let's just go there because I really think as many questions as we can answer together, we're not going to have all the answers. We may not agree on all the answers, but we need to at least see what scripture says and examine it in the light of other scriptures and talk about it together and come to as best an understanding as we can. We see in a glass darkly, right? We're not going to have all the answers until we're in heaven. So let's just look at this because it's a bit, it is a bit, it's a bit hard. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. But he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment on him to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep, which is a euphemism for died. So this passage should have like a little warning label on it, right? Do not do this at home unless you understand what you're doing. That's pretty serious. Anybody, anybody else think that's pretty serious? There's some passages in the scripture that you kind of wish weren't there, right? But it's because God is holy, and this is not like eternal damnation judgment. This is fatherly correction judgment. They're not losing their salvation but the problem was that they were not discerning what? The body. Because when I look at you, guess what I'm supposed to see? And I do. Jesus. Oh, look, there he is again. Oh, look, there he is again. Look at Jesus just popping up all over the room. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And so if I dishonor you or I'm unkind to you or I don't love you. That's Jesus. And we're not going to get it right. How many of you know that? I'm not going to get it right. You can forgive me now because you're going to have to forgive me sometime. I don't get it right all the time. Ask Gord. Hey, Gord, do I get it right? Oh, yeah. Nod your head. Good, good, good. Yeah. Good husband. Yeah. No, we don't always get it right. We're going to get it wrong. But we're part of the body. You know, like if I, if I had uh, a, a little doll and you break off her arm and there's the arm just out there by itself it's not going to accomplish much and look at the little doll it's like I'm missing an arm this doesn't work so well you know it's hard to knit it doesn't work we need each other and so the, the emphasis isn't on what part of the body are you the emphasis is on the fact that it's Jesus's body it's Jesus's body. It's not us, guys. It's not the church. It's, it's Jesus's body. Jesus. Jesus. The Jesus. Right? That we even get to be part of that is absolutely stunning. It's astounding. What was he thinking? He loves us. And so we get to partake. And it's not even so much a part of what part I am, whether I'm a toenail. Those are the parts we have to look after the most. The parts that aren't seen. Anybody ever had a pancreatic attack? You don't see that part. Well, it starts to have problems. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. God is calling us to lay down our lives. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life. For his friends. Gone are the days where we can just say, I, God and me, we got it. Just me and God. When people say stuff to me that God said, God said, God said, and I'm like, show me in the word. God's not going to contradict his word. <laughs> show me in the word. Right? I can't, like, you cannot walk with people who are just going to say God said, but it doesn't line up with the word. We need to go by the word. Jesus, all through John 17, the words. I gave them the words. I gave them the words. I gave them the glory. It's all about obedience. It's all about being in response to the head, receiving the signals from the head. And when we are receiving the signals from the head, guess what? This will work. This will work. This will work. It'll all work. It'll all work. It'll all work. Because 
every part of the body is receiving signals from the head. So we receive, we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. And then we give great grace to everyone who's learning to do the same thing because we're not going to get it right. We're not. Not all the time. But we don't have to worry because it's not our job to fix it. It's not our job to fix people. It's not our job to fix the body. It's our job to love and to conform to the word, to love God, to stay attached, and to trust that it's his church. It's his church. Hallelujah. It's his church. I get really overwhelmed sometimes when I think about the church. And I'm like, oh, I'm so thankful it's your church, Jesus. What are you going to do with her? What are you going to do with her? He's like, I love her so much. I just love her so much. I can't wait for the day. I'm coming back together. It's going to be glorious, and we will be together for eternity. Get used to it. We're going to be together for eternity. Let's run the race well. Let's run the race well. Let's run to win the prize. Let's run. Finish with this. It was a story, it's an old story now, of Special, uh, special Olympics. Do you remember the story about the little guys running? I think it's 100 meters. And they're all running. And one of the little guys trips. And the whole heat stops and goes and lifts him up. And they all cross the finish line together. This is no competition. They're like hand in hand. Okay, here we are. We did it. Yay! That's a picture of the body. We all win in the kingdom. We all win. It's not about the prize of me doing something. It's about do we all get there? Do we all get there? Because Jesus is the head. If we leave somebody behind, we're leaving Jesus behind. God, give us grace. God, give us such grace and compassion and kindness. Lord, may the, the, the fruit of the Spirit... Lord, people are all hepped up about the gifts. God, we need the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, God. Self-control. Hallelujah. Lord, captives free. You came to serve those who were wicked to you, God. And God, you, you came to lay down your life to set up a kingdom on earth as in heaven that would display your glory. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We thank you that... You will finish the work you've begun. It's a promise. You will complete the good work that you've begun in each of us and corporately, God, in the body of Christ because it's your body. So thankful. I pray that you would baptize us afresh with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would fill us with joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory, God, and that we would uh, be filled with compassion for one another. We can't do this alone. We can't do it without one another. So Lord, help us to consider one another as better than ourselves as we walk forward, Lord, listening to you and holding our brother and sister's hands. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.